Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Today we are really grateful to God and privileged to have him speak the word of God over us today. He's not a stranger by any means at all. Um, I'm sure you hear his name more times than most people um, from this pulpit as Pastor Agu speaks because of his very close relationship with Pastor Agu and with the rest of us. And ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the senior pastor of Jesus House in Washington, Pastor Gandhi Olaoye. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, let us be seated. Amen. I feel privileged and opportune once again to be here. And um, like Doc said, I'm not a stranger in this house. And I acknowledge the pastor of this church, Pastor Agri Ruku, who I'm very, very happy when I'm introduced as his good friend. Because there are some people you like to be associated with. I like to be associated with your pastor. And I'm always very happy when they say, Gandhi is his friend. Can we please clap for and acknowledge the pastor of this church, Pastor Hadu Iroko. He has become... He has become first among his equals. And it's who we all look up to. Because God has used him tremendously not only in this local church, in the country, and even outside the shores of this country. And um, he's a blessed man. So why don't we celebrate him? Amen. I want to share with us uh, um, something that the Lord has been laying upon my heart and um, that is also part of my life's testimony. And it's something I wish I had done much earlier in life. It's living a life of obedience. From the book of Genesis, Heavenly Father, as we share your word, we share it unto life and understand. Let's not just hear your word today. Let's hear you. To each and every one of us, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. From the book of Genesis, when God created man, God has always given man instructions. You know, Genesis chapter 2, 16 to 17, he gave man instruction. But one of the things that God did was he gave man free will. And the free will that God gave man made man to, of course, disobey him. So disobedience has always have consequences from the Garden of Eden. God created man. When man became man, he found out that he was in Eden. And I really don't want to go into the details of what Eden is, but the simple thing about Eden, which we know is a garden, is not a garden at the back of our house. And I think I've shared that in this church several times. Eden represents a place of order. O-R-D-E-R. That's what Eden. So when man became man, the first thing man saw was a life of order. And so God created man and put man in a place where he will always experience order. And I, I said this to single ladies that when you meet a man, don't ask the man whether he loves you because he's going to tell you he loves you. Look at his life and ask yourself, is this man's life in order? 
Because the difference between the garden of whatever garden of Eden and the forest and the jungle is that in the garden there is order. Order of plants, the grass are manicured, and a lot of things happens in the garden. But everything you have in the garden, you have it in the forest or you have it in the jungle. And so when a man's life is not in order, he will surely put you in the jungle. Amen. And so it's very important that you understand that. that. So when man became man, the first thing God showed man was a life of order. And so he expects us to have order in our lives. And one of the ways we have order is we have peace in our lives. It makes things clear. There, there is clarity also for us. But I'm going somewhere. Please follow me. But so many times we lose what God asks for us. And we lose it because of a life of disobedience. And what happened was that after man disobeyed, man tried to help himself, which is what happens to every one of us. You know, when we live in disobedience, then we try and find a path for ourselves. And that path is not the path that God wants for us. And so we look at it, the Adam and Eve, what did they do? They put on leaves. But God knew that what they have put on is temporary because leaves will always dry off. So he gave them what is permanent out of his mercy towards us. So a lot of the times we do things that God doesn't want us to do out of a life of disobedience. But God in his mercy still shows up for us. So God gives instructions for one major reason. He gives us the instruction as guardrails. Because, you know, we read this all the time, Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. And he gave that to the children of Israel when they were in captivity, when they were in despair, when there was hopelessness in their lives. He gave them that hope and told them, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. It's the thoughts of peace, not of evil. It's supposed to bring you to an expected end. Everybody say expected end, please. And that is very critical. Because we do not know what God expected and is or how to get there. So he gives us instructions that helps us to get to that expected end. Because there are many are the thoughts in a man's heart. But what is it at the end of the day? It is futility. Most of the time is frustration. Vexation of the spirit. So he is the only one who knows how to get you to that expected so he gives you instructions at guardrails so that you can get to that expected end. So it's important that we follow his instructions. It's important that we look at a couple of people in the Bible. And you know, God always has a plan for us, and we are part of his household. And so we're going to look at some of some of the characters in the Bible because we are part of his household. He has great plans for us. In actual fact, the love he has for us, man's mind cannot comprehend it. How much God wants us to succeed. And, you know, we don't just say this as sweet words, but the Bible is written as what you call an example for us. So when we look at the characters of the Bible, we can identify with the way God works since no man has seen him. But when we read about him, there we see how God can function. Though, even with this, we can only know a very small part of how God function. But he's giving us some things for us to be able to guide ourselves. It's the one who say that I've come to give you life. So he didn't, the Lord doesn't say what he doesn't want to do. He says what he knows he will do for us. So when he says I've come to give you life, it means he wants us to have a life and not just have an ordinary life. He wants us to have a life that is abundant. But the way he makes that happen is by giving us instructions. 
God wants to give us instructions because it's important for him that we get to that expected end. That will become an example to the world. That will become, wherever we are, we become the light. We become an envy of the people that they would like to be like us. Because he wants to showcase every one of us who is a believer. But how does he do that? By giving us instructions. But we keep disobeying his instructions. And we keep blaming him for so many things. So where we are saying, God, where are you? Why are you not doing this? God is always asking, where is your own obedience? Obedience to my word. And let me tell you this, obedience is not easy. Hence, most of us don't obey. It's difficult to obey. Because the flesh is always at war with what the Spirit is saying to us. It's always contrary. So the flesh is always trying to pull us back. But if we can just make up our mind, that we will be. So we look at, from the book of Genesis, we look at the life of Abraham. They called him a father of faith. Let me say this, a couple of, let me say this. It said something. It says the just shall live by faith. We read that all the time. But what he's saying is that it is impossible for you to be a righteous person. That is a righteous person in the Lord. For you not to live by believing in him. Let me talk a little bit about faith. Because faith is not what you can see. Faith is believing God in spite of what you can see. Faith is believing God in spite of the circumstances that is around you. Faith is seeing the unseeable. Faith is <laughs> touching the untouchable. Faith is believing God in spite of whatever. Faith is just believing God's word. Faith is simple obedience to him. When it doesn't look like it. Anyone can have faith. And everybody has a measure of faith. When you came in here today, you didn't check whether your chair could take you. You just sat down. So you believe that the chair will. So everybody has that level of faith. But faith in God is when it really doesn't look like it is. So God told Abraham, I want you to leave the place of your comfort. Where you are used to, where you are born with. The things and the habits that you are used to, I want you to leave it. Where am I going? I'm taking you to a place where I do not know. So you can imagine what will have happened. <laughs> Sarah, ask the husband, where are you going? He said, I don't know. Who told you to go? Um, I had God. Where did you meet him? I know he spoke to my spirit. You can imagine. And she believed the husband and followed the man to a place of no address. And the interesting thing about this is that when they got to where God had promised him, the challenge we found out is that there were people also there. Is it not amazing that God could have given a lot of places in the world where there was no inhabitants. But he gave him where people are. He can even make us to doubt whether you had God or not. That where you promised me, what you promised me, people are already there. Why don't you give me a place where I can start my own thing? So a lot of the times, what we have to understand is that faith is not what you can see. Faith is just believing in God in spite of. And we look at other stories in the Bible. And we find out that it is tough at times to obey God. We look at a man like Noah. Noah's story is always very interesting to me. Noah, the Lord told him, build an ark. It's never rained. We all know the story. But he kept on doing it for 120 years. It didn't make sense, but he had faith in God. He believed he has had God. 
But God who knows exactly the reason why he was asking to do it, came through with the reason why he told him to do it. He said he was going to destroy the world with the flood, with water. It has never rained, but the man believed it 120 years. No wonder he was not able to do one thing, convince any other person apart from members of his family. Because it's difficult to continue to believe God when you have never seen rain. And he said it's going to rain. But years did not wear out what he had. A lot of the times, years and time and season wears out what God has said to us and it makes us to drop it like a broken toy, feeling that it's not going to happen. But this guy kept doing it. And when the rain finally came, because the word of God will surely come to pass, when the rain finally came, the same thing that the people drowned in was the same thing that lifted him and his family to safety. So a lot of the times we lose what God asks for us because it doesn't look like it. So, but God wants us to have a life of obedience. But there is always, from the Garden of Eden till now, there is always an attraction that makes us want to disobey the word that he has given to us. He told them, all the things that is in the Garden you can have, but not this one. That one became the attraction. And look at what they lost. Look at the calamity that that single act has brought into this world. It's the same thing for our lives. Many calamities, many things that we go through is because of our disobedience to the Lord. And so we blame him when we get into the mess. But God is saying, where is your own obedience? If you obeyed, will it have been like that for you? He said the same thing to Saul. That obedience is better than sacrifice. Just obey what I've said. But it doesn't always look like what we should obey. Because he is the one who knows the plans that he has towards you. He knows that the heart of man is desperately wicked. That the chances that man will choose evil above good is very high. He knows that. But he has given us instruction. So if you obey, you will eat the good of the land. We don't eat the good of the land because we disobey. And then we ask, we, we, we say, God, what's going on? Look at the story of Elisha and Elijah. Elisha, God called him. He was a successful businessman. I'm taking another story. He was a successful businessman. <laughs> but God told him, forget what you're doing. I have a new call for you. The Bible tells us that he obeyed what they told him. He burnt all the things that he was using to work. He said, I am going to cross the Rubicon. I'm never coming back. That's what he did. He became a servant, pouring water in the hands of Elijah. Elijah. <laughs> when you look at that story, Elijah <laughs> was going to be replaced. The Bible described him as a very hairy man. And when you look at Elijah, they said he was a bald-headed man. So a lot of the times, the reason why we disobey is that it doesn't look like what it, will, it should be. So we can say, if I'm replacing this man, he's a hairy man, has beard, has hair on his head, I am bothered, it's not going to be. But God does not see the way man sees. If we hear what he has said, why don't we believe in his word and obey him? That's how we will get the result that is a godly result. Look at what God did for him. He, the great Elijah, look at, you we know the story of Elijah, caught fire from heaven. But because of this Elijah's obedience, he did twice more miracles than Elijah did. 
He was a businessman. It doesn't make sense that, you know, a successful businessman. Now God says that go and be a servant. From being a servant, he became a great prophet. But at times when God is doing things for us, it seems he's going down. But the way down is always the way up because the height of a building is known by the depth of its foundation. And so it's out deep because if you go to a place where you look at it, they are digging. Then you tell them, I told you people are building the skyscraper. They say, yes, it's the height that is going to decide the foundation. So at times it doesn't look like the way man sees it. And that's why most of us, we do so be what we hear. People say, but I don't hear God. You hear God. Everybody hears God. I can tell you, everybody has it. Because everybody that is created by God has put in a place, has put a place inside of our heart for us to hear him. Why do I say that? People tell me they hear the devil. You've never met the devil. How do you know it's the devil who spoke? God and the devil, they speak into the same place in our conscience and our mind. It's the same place. So they are both speaking the spiritual. And if they both speak in the spiritual, if you can hear the devil, you hear God. It's only most of the time the sound and the noise of the devil overshadows what you have, what God is saying. But God does not want any man to perish. And the only way we make any man not to perish is to speak to that person and give that person instructions. But we ignore the instructions. And then we get the consequences. God created man. <laughs> man sinned, man fell. When man fell, there was a redemption plan to redeem man. That's what God did. But man fell in what I would call in an analog way. That's how man fell. But when God redeemed man, he didn't make man back. Because when you redeem something, it seems you bring it back to its original. But God didn't redeem man to an analog. He redeemed us to a digital. Because now when he brought us back, he now added what we never had before. He had the Holy Spirit inside of us. So that we are now more sensitive. Now we can know. We don't need a whole lot of things. Of the prophet saying something. He witnesses to everybody's heart. And so he never redeemed us to what we used to be. And that is one of the mysteries and the trick I believe God played upon the devil. He thought he had man. But he didn't know that man was going to be better than what man was in the Garden of Eden. We look at a lot of stories like Moses. God told him, I want you to go back to the place of your fears, to the place where you departed. Because when God speaks to us, it doesn't really make sense. How can I go to the place where I was a fugitive? He said, I can't go. <laughs> but God knew that he had prepared him. Many times we do not know the preparation God has done for us because of where he's taken us. A lot of the times we look at ourselves and it doesn't fit in. It doesn't look like it. This is where faith comes in, trust and believe in God. That if God said it, there is a reason why he said it. So he told Moses, I'm going to use it. <laughs> Moses gave all the reasons. He says, I can't speak, I'm a stammerer and everything. But God who knew him, knew what he had put inside of him. But he said, but God told him, you know, your fears. The people who are looking for you, they are dead. A lot of the times God has taken care of the things that are your fears. The things that is making you disobedient. The things that he doesn't want you to do what he has said. Or obey his instruction. He has taken care of it before he spoke to you. That's what he had done for Moses. He told him, say, don't worry. Then when Moses said, don't worry, I'm going to give you a person. Your brother is going to help you. But we know that the Bible described the guy who said he was a stammerer. 
Then the book of Acts, it said that this man was a man who was mighty in words and in deed. He was an orator. He didn't even allow the person that gave him <laughs> to speak. He did all the speaking. So there are things and potential that God knows he has put inside of you. Hence, he has given you that instruction. It's for you to be the best that you are supposed to be. He says, I've come to give you life and a life that is more abundant. That's what I've come to give to you. And it's not just saying a sweet word. It's saying what he knows he can do and he wants to do for you. So the children of Israel, I'm taking you to a land of El Dorado. I'm taking you to a place that is flowing with milk and honey. That's what he, he said to them. But guess what? The people that left, apart from a few people, they didn't enter the land that he had for them. And it was not because he could not do it since some people entered the thing. It wasn't that the land does not exist. The land existed because they got into the land. But they, the Bible says their bodies were strewn in the desert, in the wilderness. Because of their own disobedience. Not because there was no land. Not because he could not do it. But because the people disobeyed. And this is the story of many of us. Our bodies and our lives are strewn in the wilderness of life. Because of our disobedience. Not that the promise he has given to us, he cannot do it. He can do it. And he will do it. But the thing is that can you obey his instructions? Because it's the God race that he has for us. So that we don't fall off on the path of success. We don't fall off on the path of life. Because many people fall off. Not because he, he wants you to fall off, but he gives you instruction. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. So it's a daily walk. It's a light unto my path. The path of your life. He has lighted it up. Will you believe? It's a lamp because why is it a lamp unto my feet? Because it's every step that you take, you get new instruction. You get new things that he's going to tell you. And so God wants you and me to do one thing. He wants us to believe in him. Elisha said something. <laughs> he said, about this time tomorrow, that's why we have to go back to hear God and listen to his instruction. It's not only about hearing because a lot of people can hear, but you don't obey. So I'm talking more of obedience because it's not that we don't hear, like I've said. But we find it difficult to obey because of what it looks like. We struggle with it. We look at what is not going to happen. That's why he says, the just has no other choice than to live by faith. Because faith is not about sight. Faith, faith is not about feeling. The Bible says that Abraham did not consider the deadness, what he could feel, the deadness of his body. He didn't consider it. Not of his wife for what he could see. Because those are two things that kills our faith. What we can feel and what we can see. They say he staggered not in faith. He believed God for his word. In spite of the deadness of what he could feel. Or what he could see in his life. That's what God calls you and me to all the time. Because the things, we, it makes us to disobey him. God doesn't like us to disobey him. Because he wants you to have the life that he has for you. You are a part of God's household. The love of God is amazing. And the way John said it is that, what manner of love is this? That people like us can call ourselves the children of God. He said, what manner? He, that it's not conceivable by the human mind. The love that God has for us. Why we didn't know him when we were susupon on him. He died for us. A painful death. So, 
I say this, none of us will have any reason to say God doesn't love us. Because he, he had only one, he gave one to us. And he did not only give one to us, the Bible says he made all of us now to become his children like the firstborn. And he called him the firstborn. The fact that he called him the firstborn and not the only son again tells us that each and every one of us, we are equal rights with him. So everybody just have to know what bond they have. You understand? What he says is the firstborn. So he tells us that he placed people like us, messed up people like us, he placed us at the level of his only son. What will be an immense excuse for not returning the love that God has? And one of the ways he wants us, just obey my word. Because God gives instructions. He tells us what we should always do. But man, in his way. Look at the story of Saul. Saul lost. By simple disobedience, God told him, go and destroy the Amalekites. And he gave the reason. He says, you know, why should you destroy the Amalekites when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt? They said, Lord, give them water and bread. He did not give them source of life. So go and destroy them. Look at what this man did. And let's relate to it. He decided that, how can God want me to kill the king? I'm a king myself. Why should God ask me to do that? I will save the king. <laughs> All these fatty things. Ah, I don't think God operates like that. No, God gave instructions. He knew why he gave the instructions. He knew why he said what he said. Because God is not man. Man is myopic and parochial. Man doesn't see far. Man doesn't see the totality of everything. But God sees the 360 of everything. You know, before the end, before the beginning starts, he knows the end. So it's not when the beginning starts that he starts to scramble to put the end together. No, he knew the end before the beginning starts. So he knows what the end he wants to be. Then he starts to put it together from the beginning. So that he can achieve that end. That's what God does. And so when he gave that instruction. He knew why he gave that instruction to Saul. But Saul decided in his own way to pick. Oh my God. To pick and choose. Like we all pick and choose. Like I pick and choose. And then we don't get the result that we expect. And then we're worried God you didn't do well for me. No you didn't do well for God. By not obeying him. That's what we do. We pick and choose which one should I obey, which one should I not obey. When God said, destroy everything. No wonder when Samuel went to meet him, he told him, he said, the Lord will have established your kingdom forever. Now he has taken it away from you. How many times have God, have we offended God? That what he wanted to establish for us, we miss it. The things he has planned for us, we miss it. And then we are complaining, God, a lot of night vigil that we are having, and I'm not saying anything against night vigil, a lot of the prayers is because we disobeyed first. Now we are trying to correct our disobedience. A lot of the energy that we dissipate on things is we, 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 we disobey, and then we are trying to. Look at the next thing the band did. He told Samuel, why don't you have, you know, he said something. He said, I saw the people scattered. <laughs> And because of that, I wasn't supposed to do it, but I forced myself to disobey God. That's what he said. He said, I saw, you know, peer pressure. Wanting to be like the Joneses. <laughs> Not knowing that the Joneses are Jonesing themselves. 
You understand? Wanting to belong. We disobey him. We disobey him. And when we disobey him, there are consequences for this. The mercy of God is eternal. Don't, I, don't get me wrong. But we miss what his plans are. It takes us longer. The journey that is supposed to be short, it takes us longer because of our disobedience. Now we are using years to correct our disobedience. We are using energy to correct our disobedience. Is that because of the people? A lot of the times we do things because of the people. <laughs> we don't obey him. We do things to satisfy people. And I think we all know this by now, being a member of this church, that people, people cry. People no, don't disobey God because of people. Like the saying says, they will say hallelujah today. They will say what? Crucify him tomorrow. The same people. They will say it's okay today. Tomorrow they will say it's not okay. Especially those of us who came from Nigeria. We have seen politicians like that. So that's why you cannot define your life by people. Which is why Saul, he lost a dynasty. He lost, he said, God will have established you now. That what you have will have been in perpetuity. But you lost it by disobedience. Let's learn. Because the Bible is written as an example for us. Let's learn from the mistakes these people made. God had plans for them. But they missed their plans. Because of a life of just not obeying a simple instruction. Because of people. Look at what happened to him. Because he wanted the people to continue to hail him. Don't let because of what people are going to say. You buy cars you can't afford. You live in homes you can't afford. Then you stay awake all night. Trying to figure out how to pay for it. But the people you're trying to impress, they are sleeping soundly in their homes. Now look at you. Time is changing from 12 midnight to 1 a.m. You saw the time move to 4 a.m. Because now you're trying to figure it out. God doesn't stress us. We stress ourselves. He says, I know the thoughts I have towards you. He says, if you seek me with all your heart, he says, you will find me. That means that God says, I am always there for you. I'm always, God is always there for us. We have made this whole thing complicated. As it was in the Garden of Eden, when God showed a place of peace, of tranquility, an utopian set up for them, they decided to mess it up. It's the same thing that we are still doing till today. We feel we know the best. God is the one who created us. He's the one who knows. He's the one who knows what he has put inside of you. And the race you have is completely different from everybody's race. The way your fingerprints are Different. It's the same way. <laughs> it's the same way. Your life and the race that is set before you is different. Run your own race. Just run your race. I shared there, I think the last time I preached, I, no, maybe I, I can't remember. I shared about Usain Bolt. I like the guy. When you see Usain Bolt run, even if you don't know how to run, you feel like running. It makes it look easy. Because it's wired for it. He can't run I know Pastor Shola is a miler here. You can run the mile like that, the way you say both runs, you will be out of breath. You can't. And so many people are trying to run the race that has not been said before them. And then what happens is that you are out of breath. 
that's what you are. You're out of breath. You can't run again. You're out of energy. You're frustrated. You're saying, God, why are you like this? But you're running somebody else's race. This challenge is not your challenge. This fight is not your fight. What you got yourself into was not in the plan for your life. You got yourself into it. Many people order a lot of mess and then they push it to the Lord to pay for. God pays for what he orders. He doesn't pay for what you order. If you order it, then you pay for it. Don't push it to God. It's important that we make up our mind as believers. Let's obey him. Obedience can look tough at the beginning. And that's why we don't obey. But when you obey him, you get the benefit of it for the rest of the journey of your life. For every time, he gives it as what God rails. He doesn't want you to fall off. He wants you to achieve what he wants you to achieve. Because he knows what sin has made us. Sin has completely deformed us. And guess what he did, like I said? He came to reform us and make us sensitive to a life of obedience. He said something very interesting. Jesus said it. He said, (laughs) the Holy Spirit will come and be in you. He says he will show you of things to come. Which is one of the greatest things that the Holy Spirit does for you. Things to come. Can you imagine that if you know things to come, <laughs> a lot of things that has happened to you will not happen. How many people believe in what I've said? But he gave it to you. He says he will tell you of things to come. Oh my God. I wish I knew that before I went to college. I would not have studied the English language. Because those of you studying English, it's not against you. I'm talking about myself now. Because it was when I got out, they told me the major only job I could get was a teacher. And I hated teaching. I wish I had the Holy Spirit to say, this thing you are getting into, you won't like it. How many people understand what I'm saying? A lot of people who are in marriages will not be with this kind of spouse. You can be quiet on me, but I've got to say the truth. You wish you had known some things before you took, I do. You will never have taken that decision. But you have the Holy Spirit today. So the once you have happened in the past, God has winked. But how about going forward in obeying what he is telling you? What is ministering to your spirit? What is saying to you? Look at the story of, of Saul that we're talking about. Look at what happened to Saul. He said, I've obeyed completely. Many of us, we say that same statement. I've said it, God. But I obeyed you. Then the spirit will say, but not that one. You didn't fool him. He said he had obeyed. Partial obedience is not obedience to him. It was a partial obedience. And he said something. Someone said something. He said, how about the beating of the sheep? The lowing of the oxen? You are the only one who can hear it, Saul. Everybody can hear it. It's a siren behind you. It's a lot of noise behind you. But you can hear it. May we never have our hearts seared to the level where we cannot hear the lowing of the oxen or the bleating of the sheep. It means that we have become spiritually dead because he's saying it to us. Everything is saying it. Alarm bell is going on. Don't obey. But you can't hear it. That's what happened to him. And we saw how he ended. We saw how a man who was nobody 
how God picked him up and made him <laughs> the first of the kings of Israel. He, he, he took over from God. God! He took over the leadership of Israel from God. But he messed it up because of simple disobedience. What is the lowing of the sheep? Of the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen in your own life. What's God telling you? That your obedience is not complete. What you're doing, stop it. What's he telling you? It's always, it's always there. You're the only one who doesn't hear it. That's what, that's what he says. Let me take another character. His name is Jonah. You know, God doesn't send us on an errand he has not prepared us for. God never calls you without equipping you. He never does that. Because God does not want you to make a mess of everything. So when he calls you to do something, he has equipped you for it. Whether you will stand up and do what he has asked, it's another thing. But he will. So he told him. He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. It wasn't an instruction that he liked. Because he wanted the Assyrians destroyed anyway. And he knew that if he had gone there to preach, the people might repent. But he didn't want their repentance. He wanted their destruction. You can't walk with God by having your own agenda. You can't walk far with him by thinking the way you feel it should be. He is the only one who knows the expected end. Don't forget that. And he's the one who gives instruction to get to that expected end. So it's not about how you feel. Because you will never go far in faith about how you feel. You will never go far in faith about how you think. It's what he has said. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in my heart, in my life. And that's what uh, Eli told young Samuel. He says, Master, speak for thy servant, hear it. That is what he wants from all of us. That is a life of obedience. Master, speak. I have no agenda. I have no thought. Whatever I have, I've dumped it in the dustbin. You speak. Whatever you say, so shall it be. That's what God wants from you and me. That's why it's good for us, a highly in life, to teach our children a life of obedience. Let them obey God so they get used to it. Many of us, it's become very difficult. We have become like dry fish. It's difficult to bend. But it can still be done. By determination. And saying from now on, Master speak. For the servant here. So he called Jonah. He said, Jonah, you go. But we know what happened. Jonah decided that he was going to go a different direction. Instead of going to Nineveh, he decided that he was going to Tarshish. <laughs> and of course, storms of life started. And I don't have to repreach the story. We know what that means. That every time a man is in the wrong direction, is in disobedience, the storms of life will always show up. The storms of life will show up. This will not go the way you expect it. It's going to be a roughy patch. It's going to be a challenging period. That's what's going to happen. He went. And of course, he had what you call the peace of Jonah. He had what you call peace of Jonah. He was sleeping soundly in the storm. It's the same thing like Saul. <laughs> it's the same thing. He was having peace in the pace of turmoil. In a place where you know it's crazy, you had peace. You know, that's what some people say. When, especially, you know, being a pastor for some time, 
And then when people want to get married, they see all the signs in the guy. But they say, I have peace. <laughs> they see all the alarm bells are going on. They say, I have peace. They are sleeping soundly. It's called the peace of Jonah. The peace we experience in the midst of a storm. It's called the peace of Jonah. It will come back and haunt you. Because what started happening was that the wares and the things that were precious for the people in the boat, they started throwing it overboard so that they can get peace. When a man tries to, to help God, and a man disobeys God and tries to help him in the midst of the thing, what looks precious becomes nothing. It's like using dry leaves. It's like using leaves when you have disobeyed God. What can it cover? It will dry off after some time. It will dry off after some time. But of course, because of time and a lot of time, the next thing is that he repented. And when he repented, he decided that he was going to go. But if you look at his repentance, he said something that always catches my attention. He said something that, that always catches my attention here. He said, in, in, um, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. Can, can I be on the screen? In Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. He, he says something that catches my attention. He said, those who... Do you have it? All right. Look at what he said. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own idols. Sorry, they forsake their own mercy. So he's saying that when you give what is worthless a worshipping status, what you have done is that the mercy that you will have enjoyed, the support of God, the grace of God that you will have enjoyed, you forsake it. So what are you going to be where you don't have the mercy of God that is supposed to carry you through? Then the next thing he says, he says I'm going to look at the next verse. He says, I'm going to sacrifice whatever I have. I'm going to give my life. And now I'm ready to go through the pain that I didn't go through. But I'm going to do it even thanking God. Listen. This man went on this mission. Grudgingly. And this is a classic case that when God calls us, it must not be about our own personal idiosyncrasies, our personal biases. Because this is how man disobeys God. Our own personal thing. I don't like the people from this place. I don't like the people from this. I don't like women that look like this. I don't like girls that look like this. I don't like men who are like this. You know, when God instructs us, he knows what he has planned for us. So it might not look like it. The question is that, have you spoken? Once have you spoken, twice have I heard. If he has spoken, you are looking at the present. God is looking at the future. That's what makes him the Alpha and the Omega. You are looking at your own time. You are looking at the way you see it. Your own personal idiosyncrasies and biases. You are using it to judge an almighty God. How can you you in your own small, tiny brain, thinking about God who created this whole universe. 
So this man decided he was going to disobey. And we know what happened. He disobeyed, then had problem, repented, and then he went to the place. He went grudgingly. Even in his grudgingly way, God saved the city. Even the dogs and the animals fasted. Amazing. Because God knows what he has wired in him. He knows what he has put in his mouth. He knows what the, the things he has put together to make him a prophet. Though he did it gradually, look at the impact. Can you imagine a lot of things that we obey God grudgingly or we disobey him? The impact God wants you to have in your generation. The things he wants to do with you if you just obey him. When God calls a man, don't forget he has equipped you. You, you, you know, people, people say, oh, I, I think I can handle it. No. If you can handle it, you don't need God. It's what you can't handle that you need God for. That's where God shows up. You don't need faith. Like I said, when you came in here, you sat on the chair. You don't need faith. You believe that the chair is going to. How many times do you get onto the plane? Before you fly, you ask the pilot, how long have you been flying? I hope you didn't fight with your wife today. I hope all is well with you. How many times you get into the plane, you just have faith that the man's going to take you to where you are going. In the here, there has no roadways. There has no clear direction. You believe the man is going to take you to where you are going. So everybody has a measure of faith. But we are talking about hearing God and having faith in God's word. That's what we are talking about. This man, the whole city, repented. And God saved the city. What he didn't want. So it's not what you want. <laughs> it's what God wants. I hope you get what I just said. Not what you want. It's what he wants. Many times it's what you want. That you think is paramount to God. No. What he wants. Is what is paramount to him. He didn't want them saved. But God wanted them saved. So a lot of times we disobey. Because of what we want. That's not how God operates. I'm out of time. I'm not out of message. Let's bow down our heads. Let's speak to the Lord. Like I started to share with us, this sermon came out of my challenges in life. It came out of my repentance of saying, Master, speak for the servant here. Been through challenges that I'm not supposed to have been through because of nothing but life of obedience. Because I wasn't obeying him. I don't know whether you are here today. You want to say, Master, speak. I hear you. Whether it's convenient or not, I'm dropping the way I feel. I'm dropping the way I see it. I'm going to live by faith. Because you say that the righteous, the just, they have no other choice but to live by continuously believing in you, in spite of. Lord, today, I believe in you. For those who are in here, for those who are in the hub, for those who are online, why don't you speak to our maker? Why don't we speak to him and say, Lord, I repent today. I'm getting back on track. Pray fulfilling life. I'm getting back on track. Pray life of obedience. Let me tell you this. There is joy in obedience. Jesus Christ, he obeyed though the suffering was tough. He obeyed 
going through the cross. The Bible says, now God had given him a name that is above every name. Every one of us wants a name that is above every name. But Jesus got that by a life of obedience. That's what the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians. That's how he got the name that he got. The life of obedience. We want a name. Everybody wants a name. In whatever area. But Jesus got that by what he went through. The life of obedience. You also can. Because the Bible is written as an example for us. If we do what they do, we will get what they got. So if they did the wrong thing, we will get the wrong thing. If we do the right thing, we will get the right thing. God is not partial. These are according to every man what they deserve. Are you here today? Why don't you tell the Lord? I want to live a life of obedience. I want to obey you, Lord. Give me the grace to quicken your spirit continuously inside of me. Let the alarm go on. Let the alarm start to ring. Siren, let it start to ring. Let me always come back to the path of obedience. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I don't know if we preach this message. We are on the up, we are online. And we don't ask people to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. That means we've wasted our time. The greatest thing a man can do, the first step of obedience accepting Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. I did this some years ago. I don't know if you are here today. Maybe you are online. Maybe you are in the hub. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Can you show by raising up your hand? Let's pray with you. It's the first step of obedience. Please confidently do it. Never be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Because if you are ashamed of me before men, I'm going to be ashamed. Oh, my father are you here today you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior can you wave to me can you wave to me those of you online I don't know whether you text but if you're online or you're in the hall I want to believe that everyone who is here you have accepted Jesus Christ that when the sky is rolled back the son of man comes in his glory you'll be one of the people who will be caught up with him I want to believe that. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all of the glory. Let them forget my words. Let them remember yours. From the preacher to the hearer, Lord, we have shared your word. Let it bring life unto us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.